G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 57 of the Outback Mine podcast. We've had uh, 56 guests on um, to this podcast so far from all walks of life, uh, ages, demographics, so forth. Um, and really, um, really tonight's guest is, uh, is a little bit different than, than, than others in, in some ways, but also many, a lot like us in, in many ways too. Now, James Harding um, was a young guy brought up in Melbourne, um, saw some pretty bad stuff as a young fella, sort of took uh, to a life of crime, primarily, uh, underworld crime where he was basically engaged as a, as a hitman. He'd go and um, sort people out, uh, so to speak. So he was the guy that people turned on when, he, when they wanted uh, someone, um, uh, I suppose, uh, sorted out with regards to making a payment for something or, um, or you know, get, making them accountable for something that they'd done wrong. So, um, so Jones was a pretty revered figure um, back in the day. And... Um, what I really like about James is he was brave enough to turn the corner and straighten his life out. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about how he did that, but also a lot of the stuff that he had going on as a young fella, what caused uh, the trauma, uh, what that, uh, that did, uh, that took him into that sort of crime scene or crime uh, game, uh, primarily the excitement and all the stuff that goes with that. Uh, but also what he did to, to turn his life around and, and how hard that actually was to be vulnerable and, um, and, and really take well make the changes that he needed to do, um, which is obviously take him to where he is now, where he runs an organisation called Hard Cuddles, where they go and educate uh, guys um, in the prison system, inside and outside the prison system, to be able to uh, be more self-aware and live better lives, but also you know, doing that sort of similar work in uh, at the coalface in clubs and so forth around Melbourne and just educating uh, young men on how to be a bit more conscious and how to find what it is that they're passionate about so they can live more uh, aware uh, lives so they can contribute better to themselves and be happy and contribute to society better rather than sort of walking against it, which is unfortunately happening a lot when we're seeing the, the, the prison system uh, filling up as it is, and I'm really passionate about that myself, to be able to keep, uh, keep guys uh, out of jail and, uh, and functioning well uh, physically and mentally. I just think that guys that have been incarcerated... Um, have been punished for trauma that's not their fault and um, you know the system that we need I believe is a restorative justice and we don't have that we have a, a justice of punishment and if we actually look at why the crimes are happening um, then we can actually address that and start to work with the individual to re-heal and re rehabilitate I guess that's much better prehabilitation over rehabilitation and um, uh, we've got the power to do that and what James is doing is really tremendous so we're going to learn a lot from this conversation just want to make special mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritionals, who make organic, uh, beautiful superfoods which support our physical and mental health. I'd really like you to check out their, their, their products and their, their supplements. Uh, it's uh, greennutritionals.com.au. They source their products from all around the world, and it's the best uh, by far. So really uh, great to have these guys supporting us. Also, Pure Life Organic uh, Sprouted Bakery. So they make uh, organic sprouted breads, which are so much better for our, our gut health, which also helps our mental health. So if you could just check out their website, their breads are available all around Australia. It's purelife.com.au. 
Alrighty, sit back, listen, listen to James and I going at it. I'm sure you're going to get a lot from this conversation. James Harding, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Thank you very much, mate. No worries. Oh yeah, look, I'm really grateful to uh, to have a chat to you. Um, certainly, uh, you, it's comp- like, I don't like to use the word compared, but um, like. Looking at some of the other guests that have come onto this podcast um, from various backgrounds of, of all ages, abilities, um, you know, lifestyle, circumstances, um, demographics, all that. Um, your your story um, is common, but it's also very unique in a lot of ways. And I just think, mate, we can learn so much from from your journey um, about what you've um, what you've gone through and sort of how you've turned your life around, but also. Uh, more so around you know how you actually did that and what other people that may be struggling or may not be sort of you know doing the things that you did uh, that have got challenges in their life on how they can actually turn that around mate so it's really really good to to have you on this conversation and you know look at look at look at our lives now compared they were where they were sort of 15 20 years ago we would never have thought we'd be actually doing this because our our minds were sort of in this other place where we just didn't know any other way. So it's amazing, it's you know, through true. hard work, we've been able to turn things around, I guess, yeah. Very true, mate. Speaking some truth. Now, can you give us a bit of a background of James Harding being brought up, I believe, in Melbourne and um, sort of as the young fella and then sort of how life sort of uh, got to that stage where you did sort of uh, turn the corner into, uh, I suppose... Uh, the, uh, the the naughty stuff, and then sort of how you moved out of that into the into the good stuff. We'll get more into that later. But mate, I'd really like to hear about James, where James was brought up, uh, and and sort of how things evolved through your teens and so forth. Yeah, amazing. No problem, mate. Um, it's amazing how the story evolves as you grow as a person too. I'm just thinking that as you as you started there. But I guess for me, um, the most important thing is like the culture. I mean, that, that I was raised with. But I never really tell anyone because it's not something I you outwardly sort of say. But I guess I'm really proud of it that my mum uh, is Sri Lankan and dad's Australian. So the thing with dad is all his side of the family had passed away due to illnesses or addiction or for whatever reason. And um, so I was raised with a really strong Sri Lankan upbringing. Like that was, and where Sri Lankans are so um, family orientated. So that was it for me. I had an unbelievable childhood, like the best parents you could ever imagine. Um, they're just so supportive and were raised um, to believe in ourselves and to stand on their own two feet. And even if something um, was going on and we didn't like it, just you, you stand strong. So we're, it was all this positive, beautiful um, parenting and energy but way before its time. Man, but this, it's, I just, I actually laugh now at how good and ahead of their time they were with the way they raised us and really open and honest too. Like, I, we didn't pull any punches with each other and we still don't. Mm. We're really honest with each other. So, nothing but support, but I've always been naughty. Like, <laughs> even now, I'm still, I'm still naughty. I just, it's a lot different. I still have that naughty streak where I love to cause mischief or I love to, um, I love to make people laugh, you know, and g people up and mm. get them to laugh at themselves or laugh at me. I just, that's my nature. Mm. But um, when you're a kid, right, and, and, you know, it's like I can sum up the whole thing up in, in that book, Where the Wild Things Are. That's my story, the book by Morris Sendak. 
that, that, that young kid who plays up and his mum sends him to his room and he cracks the shits. And then he uses his imagination to, to you get on a boat and go over to a big island where all the monsters are, these big monsters. <laughs> yeah. And he gets over there and he becomes one of the monsters and he dances and bears his fangs and claws and all this stuff. And it goes way on into the night. And then uh, he gets bored. He becomes one of the biggest monsters. Mm. And they love him. And it's all fun and all good, but he realises that um, he's sort of gone away from his true self. Yeah. And uh, he used his whole imagination to do this, so then he used his imagination to go back home. And when he got home, it makes me emotional in saying this, that um, his, dinner, his dinner was still warm and waiting for him. Right. Jeez. And, uh, yeah, I guess for me, mate, like, why that gets me emotional is because I, that's my story. Mm. That's just that simple and... Um, and when I got home, you know, mum and dad were waiting for, um, waiting for me with open arms. You know, it was, it was just, I've just been so lucky, mate. That's that's the truth of it. So, so just 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 fast tracking a bit. So, you, all the shit you went through when you sort of come to that realization, they were still waiting there for you. Yeah. 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 Unreal. Yep. I, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess. I. I I acknowledge that myself too, you know. If you got lucky to have good parents that, that are like that, we were really blessed. But, mate, let's just oh, mate. Let's, let's talk about what happened with you as a young fella, you know, where it was that you went off track before you got back yeah. on the tracks, yeah. Yeah, so that naughty streak, so I was really defiant and really determined. There weren't all the labels they have, they have now. Like, I think if you... Um, what is it, ADHD, I would have, I reckon I would have ticked that, um, oppositional defiance disorder, I probably would have ticked that one as well. <laughs> probably would have ticked hyperactivity, like the labels just weren't that common then, but I was pretty, I was up and about, you know, like I used to terrorise the teachers and they'd move me from class to class and a couple of times they'd keep me in, um, in like the sick bay for extended periods and I guess I just became even more defiant and you can see these traits and I've got that addictive nature. Well, after, it was always the same sort of tune with me. I was always getting in trouble with very lovable, lovable sort of rogues. So I got away with heaps. And then, um, me and a mate that I, I've told this so many times, but me and a mate went to a party and on the way home, uh, two guys randomly attacked me and him. And um, they did the job on him, something shocking, mate. And um, mm. there was, they had like a pruning door and they opened him up really badly and um, in a couple of places. And when it, when it went down, I wasn't drunk. I didn't, I didn't ever used to drink and I remember, so this is clear, it's still very clear. And mm. Walked back over a fence, fell over a fence and um, yeah, I couldn't get up. I was too scared and I could hear what was happening to him. I could hear him screaming and stuff and... Um, you know, he got up afterwards and sort of came to me and I summoned summoned the courage to get up. And it was just horrible, mate. Like, we went back to a party, the party where we were leaving and everyone was started fainting and hyperventilating. So, mm. you know, I wasn't able to keep it together in the, in, in the moment of need and I carried the coward badge going forward. That was my, uh, that was like a rock on my shoulders, that thing. And, um... Yeah, managed to get him back home though, and uh, you know, fix him all up, bandage him up, call his brother, and then we went, he went and got plastic surgery, and the rest is history. But we didn't, we didn't, um, 
we didn't really think about counselling at that time or being able to talk to someone about it. It was just... So that fested, and I was attacked by a dog as well when I was a kid, and that was pretty savage too, mate. Like, he ripped my frigging calf off my leg. <laughs> so I was, yeah. I was starting to feel a little bit vulnerable mm. as a person, and I thought to myself, Jesus, I've got to look after myself here. Like, I, I can't be on the receiving end of this consistently. Like, I, don't, I didn't think it was just. Mm. So, um, and, the, and there was all these, these, like, I was called weak because I wasn't um, there from... You know, wasn't able to be here for my mate, my best mate in the time of me. Yeah, and I did feel that anyway. So they just compounded that, and uh, you know, I sort of, what's the opposite of vulnerable and um, feeling like a coward is mm. you know someone that's super aggressive and mm. uh, scary and big and intimidating. So that's what I became. Mm. I just created that that study character in my head, and then. It just came to life, like all this stuff that I wanted to do and run with gangsters and hitmen and associate with bikies and deal with drugs and collect debts and have unlimited access to women and mm. do all this stuff. Like that was on the table, and I, I just thought to myself, well, you know, here we go, buckle up because I'm going to have a good go at this. Mm. And I said to myself, 25 years old, I'll pull the pin no matter what happens. So in between now and, uh, sorry, you know, where are we talking, 16, 17, I worked a little bit, but then it, then it kicked off. And, yeah, mate, so I, I, was, I was separated from my family. Uh, I didn't talk to them at all, which was terrible. Mm. That was like I was trying to outrun all this uh, pain and chaos and all these feelings and emotions. I was just trying to outrun them. And then drugs, drugs and alcohol were just, I thought to myself, because I was very young, I was, oh, this is the answer. Mm. So, yeah, I was tearing into that. And, yeah, I, I, I overdosed once and saw something that night that I'll never forget, like a dark entity. I don't know what it was, but I was shit myself. Mm. And uh, put an emergency prayer upstairs and said, get me out of this. And, I, you know, you put in those moments, you're all alone. You're all alone in big moments in life is what I would love to share with people. Mm. So get comfortable with, with yourself in the meantime mm. because when those big crunch moments come in life, it doesn't matter how good the people are around you, you're all alone. So when I was overdosing this time, I, I was all alone and put the prayer upstairs and, you know, I came good because I, I was cooked for about 12 hours. I was, mm. it, was, it was pretty, it wasn't good. Mm. I'll put it that way. And then I got smashed with a gun by a real heavy dude, smashed in the forehead uh, with a gun at a meeting that went, um, it went wrong. Mm. And uh, he ended up putting him in the mouth, and this guy's like for him, you know, like he's, he's, he's a serious dude. And I just, I just remember lying on the floor with the, with the shooter in the mouth, and it's a split-second thing, and I thought to myself, Really? Is this where? Is this what life is for you? You know, like I just became so real with myself at that moment. This is where you are now in life, mate. With everything, all the great uh, family environment, good schooling, um, nothing but love. This is where you are, and uh, sort of got real. And then start at twenty five. I started to pull it together, you know, and moved up the coast to um, to Marimbula, and you know, it was often employment and as long as I played footy and I played footy and became 
part of the community up there, but it's funny when I knew on because things were getting really heavy in Melbourne at that stage. Like a, a, a guy I was is a friend I was associating with his dad was murdered in the in the wars, and it was just getting a little bit tropical. The whole thing and. I just had to go, but I knew to go to Marimbula, one, because it's just magic, but I knew country, coastal country, but country people have a way of keeping it real, and I knew instinctively in my heart that I needed to be around people like that, because I knew if I could start trusting myself again, then I'd be able to start trusting people again, and or maybe the people taught me how to trust myself again, who knows, but uh, I think... Sort of came good, put on 20 kgs and, you know, I was just living that lifestyle of the... I was back in touch with the water. I'd neglected the water for about five years. And then um, was up there in the water every day, spearfishing and bodyboarding and swimming and just having up there. And but there was no women, mate, you know? <laughs> and because uh, I wouldn't have probably come back if there was. So Melbourne was calling and we came back after two years and... You know, it was just one big party when I got back. Um, but it wasn't like before because I put in that, that good work and I was I was, start, I was trusting myself again. I was like, nah, this isn't me. And I remember I run Dad. Me and Dad had a blue one night because he thought I had someone holding drugs for me and he saw it and I was walking into his house and just looked sus. And he, call, he called me to, a, to sit down with him and he, we, and he went off at me. Like, he really went off at me and, um, oh, God, he's a beauty. Um, mm. So, if, uh, I can just, I can feel it. I can feel that honesty and love, mm. as I say it. Mm. Um, just beautiful, mate. And um, I went off at him back, but I didn't go off at him in a rant. I just said, Dad, I'm fucking, I'm sick to death of who I am as a person. Mm. I don't know, I, you know, I don't know how to fix this. Mm. And, um... Yeah, my sister put me in touch with this, um, we're really spiritual, our family. And that's real popular now, mate, but mm. my sister was doing this 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, she was into fairies and energy and crystals way before it kicked off. She, she, can, she can channel and do Reiki and all this beautiful stuff, but she just said, James, I just want you to come and see this healer with me. And I was like, oh, honestly, I'd try anything. And I was really open and... Yeah, she just laid it all, on the, all, all out there, all on the table, this healer, and this new stuff about me that no, um, no one really should know. Mm. And she was able to tell me about myself and help me understand the mess. And not only that, she told me where I was going. How old were you? And uh, 26. 26, yeah, right. 20, no, sorry, 27, 27, yeah. Yeah. Around there, and um, she, uh, she nailed me. And she absolutely nailed me, and um, it was the best feeling ever to have some direction and have some understanding. And you know, there was still probably another year because it's just such a gradual thing to leave a scene like that when you've been entrenched in it. Mm. So, yeah, I sort of withdrew more and more, and then I ended up just. Uh, my godfather gave me a job at the fruit and veg markets, which is so funny because that's where. It, all the action happens, but she gave me legal employment and um, I just kicked from there. Saved up some money, went and did Kokoda. My cousin died of brain cancer uh, prematurely and, um, yeah, I just, I just said, I'm going to go and walk Kokoda and 
do something amazing and raise some money for the Charlie T.O. who operated on him a heap of times and sort of prolonged his life. Mm. And uh, I put it together and then Ellie said, well, why don't, my sister said, why don't we do a fundraiser and we'll do a, this and we'll do a night. And It wasn't huge, but it was really enjoyable. And then from then, mate, I just went from strength to strength. When I realised that you could feel good naturally, it was okay just to be me. I was enough. When I and you know you still that that's not like it's a finished project. It's always it's ongoing that the level of maintenance and, and and search for clarity and balance. But for me, when I realised that I was enough, and not only that, people loved me and and what I was doing was helping, you know, helping myself and helping everyone else around me. I sort of got really inspired by the idea, and then you know got into businesses and. We did. We had a waste management business, mate. And my wife's a full-on greenie, mm. and um, quite a spiritual greenie. This one, which is funny, and um, yeah, we had a waste management business. Now, we were profiting of taking rubbish and putting it in the ground. Mm. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a tip where these big, big machines tear up the earth, yeah. and then we dump. What? Well, it's just a it's just disgusting. I have the answers, but it just seems wrong. And I just remember saying to Kate, hey, this goes, this completely, and we we're doing well. And I said to her, this completely goes against what we are as humans. And I said, we're making money off this. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, what, what are we doing here? I said, we've got five, we've got four kids at home. You know, how do we, um, what do we do? Like, what example are we going to set? And she said, and at this stage we were negotiating with bloody Collingwood to do the waste of the biggest sporting franchise in the country. And right. and uh, and I made the decision to sort of write a book and start an organisation that would help men. And I didn't really know how to start. I didn't, I didn't have the belief. I knew what I wanted to do. But I was procrastinating, and then we walk out of the meeting, and there's Trevor Hendy. Yeah, so right. I walked up. Yeah, my missus goes to me, that's Trevor, and I've already started walking. Oh, he just pulled me towards him, and I was like, what the hell are you doing here? And he explained, and I was like, oh, Kate, we, you know, this was meant to happen. And Yeah, when I met him, mate, like, that's when everything changed together. He started Hard Cuddles, basically. Mm. Unbelievable. I never knew that. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've been with him for, since 2016. I think I met him in 2017. We started work together. Mm. And he's just the ultimate corner man, mate. Incredible. We're, we're going to go back on your stuff in a minute, but... Sure. You, you know, I guess Trevor, yourself and, and myself... Um, I've got a vision, I believe, uh, a mutual bond that actually sees humanity differently than the way humanity is being treated at the moment. And, um, everyone, you know, has got the ability to be able to, to turn around, turn the corner. And the prison system, as we've had a conversation about, is really, really, I believe, working against humanity rather than working with it. You know, we don't actually give guys compassion when they go into the system so they can be able to heal you know these guys have had a lot of trauma 
that's been brought upon their lives that hasn't been their fault, you know, and they're being punished for that. And that's really the wrong mindset. If a guy can can be sort of acknowledged and seen with what they've actually been through as well with compassion, then all of a sudden that person feels safe. And once a person feels safe, then the ability for them to heal is really, really strong. So the guy that goes into that system is just like you were when you were 15 you, and, and that dog attacked you earlier. You went into this like revenge sort of mode. <clears throat> and they, these guys are having to be in survival every day, being in that environment. When they get out there, they're still in that survival mode because they're having to fend for themselves. Although this time they're not getting that meals taken care of. <clears throat> We've got to be able to manage money. They don't have the ability to be able to really function well in, in you know the system of life. <clears throat> But I believe if we can give uh, guys the tools to be able to understand who they really are in that particular um, environment, like get back to feeling who, who they really are before all the trauma gets uh, laid upon them, then they can be more uh, self-aware, active members of the community. Would you agree? 100%. 100%. And the thing is, it's so tricky, mate, what you're saying on, just on top of that quickly is they're so... They're, I should, I'm not... I'm not, I don't want to generalise. I'm just going to speak straight from the heart, mate. They're so, the prisoners that I work with are so cagey and they're so banged up. You actually have to get them to trust, which is a whole process in itself. They've got to believe you as a human being, let their guard down before you can even give them those tools. Mm. And it's just so tricky, mate. But, um, yeah, we're in the fight, mate, as, as are you. Mm, that, that's right we're in the fight big time yeah I just believe now's a, a great moment in, in, in history to be able to really question the, the colonial model to see whether it's actually effective anymore I don't believe it is you know prisons are getting fuller fair enough well if they are then that's actually used as a, as a restorative um, place where people can learn things outside getting a job you know there's there's all this reconnection process which um which needs to occur and and i guess a lot of the guys in that system aren't getting any of the the support that they need to be able to help them and to be able to mentor someone while they're in but also while they're out to be able to help them yep. is really what's needed mate and, and that's what you and i probably needed when we were young 15 16 17 year old boys uh that sort of went the other way like I didn't get into the, the the crime as much as you, but I was really lost for a long time. And you know, I want to I want to know, James, with regards to to some of the things that you did. You were doing pretty much hitman sort of work. Like people would hire you to go and um, collect debts and that sort of thing. Is that right? Okay, so no, nah, never, never not hitman. It was more, and it's it's yeah. What it what it was was I was I was on moving product for myself or for someone else. And either way, I didn't fancy outsourcing any of the collection work and losing that profit because I'm quite... Money was God, mate, to me at that stage. So I did all my own work and I did a little bit of work for other people as well. But it was just... You know the truth of it, mate? I very, very rarely had to be violent, mm. but I was very unpredictable and I could be violent. I, I'm not saying I was the same. Um, but it was... It was understanding how to use my size, how to speak, how to hold myself. Mm. Um, with guys older than me a lot of the time, I was only very young, and, and this, I was operating with older guys and dangerous people. Mm. But I, and I knew had to, had to, had, and I learned how to control my I control body language and manipulate people, and I was very calculating. Mm. And it was all for me. So I, I, I was able to live in a lifestyle 
that I thought I deserved. It was standover sort of work, primarily. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And using using the force of the personality more than anything else, mate. Yeah. I was using my... Um, and I went and saw the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belford, in the, in the live uh, years ago. He said to me, he said something up on stage I've never forgotten. He taught all these skills, sales skills, and they were all good, and they all would work, and he showed it how it would work, and it was at all too off, and he goes, but the truth is, I've used my skill set for, for evil. He said, I want you to walk away from here and use what you have, because you have something, for good. Mm. And it was just like clicked for me. I was like, oh my God. I've just been looking at everything from personal gain. Mm, absolutely. You know? Agree. Uh, life is fascinating when we realise we're all part of the winning team, mate. And, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> life's trying to work with us. We're just working against it all the time. Um, yeah. And, and really, that's, that's the realisation that we, we all need to have. You know, we're forcing yeah. against it. Once we actually work with it, like that guy is basically saying, then everything just just happens and, and occurs for us. And um, yeah. mate, you would have you would have found yourself in some pretty hairy, difficult situations, like when that guy sort of had the gun to your head and that type of thing. You would have had this armor around you, which which basically like made you feel like you were protected. Were you shitting yourself in any of those sorts of moments, or? Nah, no, nah, no, nah, not at all. Yeah. Not at all, not true that. It was um, having something like that happen with the gun is like doing a knee in footy. You expect it. Mm. Prison, prison is always on the forefront of your mind. I didn't walk around thinking I was invincible. I, I, was, very, I was very real. I'm well-educated. So I knew that any stage the police would kick the door and the whole thing could be up, so I was prepared. So you're always on. But the fear, maybe I did have fear and I was out running it in, in retrospect. But at the time, it was just, you just didn't even think about it. It was just, everything was moving so quick. Mm. And, I, and I loved it at the start. I loved the pace of everything and the constant action and the exhilaration and the thrill. And, you know, it was, because uh, I, I didn't just walk around um, pretending to be a tough guy. What I was doing behind the scenes and by the people that actually taught me. Um, my other other things I had going on were really, it was I was given a formula that actually worked. I didn't get caught. I don't have a record at all. Mm. So it was actually when I pulled the pin, it was of my own my own sort of cord. Mm. But so the fear, the armor, absolutely. And, and you know, it was addictive. It was addictive that not only did I not feel scared, people around me that were older than me felt safe with me, yeah. and that just fed my ego like you would not believe. So you become even more exaggerated and it just got out of control and I just didn't lie. I ended up just, I couldn't even, I literally could not look at my eyes in the mirror. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling too, mate. Absolutely. Tell me, yeah. um, what did you do to get yourself big and strong? Uh, Marimbula. Yeah. Heaps and heaps of pasta and beer. <laughs> really? So there was no, no yeah. physical stuff? Oh, no, no, heaps. I'd just, I'd drink, I'd every, it was full carb thing, but I'd be uh, drinking here and training, mate. Really? No word of a lie, yeah. I had, uh, just had dumbbells and I'd do push-ups and sit-ups and just, I'd, you know, have a six-pack and do the routine and then eat pasta because I was 77 kilos. 
So you were, now I'm six foot two. You were playing footy there, is that right? Yeah, yeah. got up there just for rake. I got mess completely emaciated. I've got a photo. Yeah. How sick I looked. And they said, you know, uh, we want you to play ruck, change the scenario forward. And I'm like, are you kidding me? My <laughs> body is emaciated, right? And you want me to play the key position? And they said, oh, I said to myself, right, okay, well, I'd better start putting on some sides. But the footy club was the best, mate, like, to, to help me integrate back into society because I was so banged up. I was not one of those prisoners I was talking about. I was just, just in trust. And I'd said it, I'd done it all myself to myself, mm. indirectly, and, and I knew I was responsible, so I, I didn't want to burden anyone or ask anyone for help, and I was quite stubborn and still very determined. Mm. So I think, mate, like, I, I did a rehab, I did a rehab at home, um, I think this is really important. When I dried out before I went to Marimbula, because I was using lots of hard chemicals at those sta- stages, mm. I needed to dry out because I'd been on a bender for six months before that where I literally locked myself away and just took drugs by myself in my flat. didn't see anyone for about six months. All I had was cheeseburgers, <laughs> the only thing I could stomach. So I went on this long bender and uh, towards the end of it, well, I got it dry out. So after the soul searching, and um, I did, and I white knuckled it in, in the apartment. And I sent all my ex missus's stuff back because I knew she had to go, and uh, lived with nothing but a pillow, a doona, one wooden deck chair, a pair of dumbbells, and a radio. No fridge, no nothing. Jesus. For six months, slept on the on the. And and did like literally did my own version of rehab and sweated and and I had the most hellish thoughts, mate. Like I, that's where I faced off against myself. You know, that's where I, my true self stood up to my um, shadow self, and it's not like I won, but it's the first time I stood up to the voices that were going on. Mm-hmm. And I did that alone. Now, what I'm here to say is that that's like fast tracking, I reckon. It's easier. And more gentle to do it with support, mentors, counsellors, healers. Um, but that, for me, mate, that was the making of me as a human being. Because I, I became so obsessive. I was washing my hands. I was cleaning the apartment, talking to myself. I lost the plot completely. Mm-hmm. And at the back end of it, found, found, like, found that bit of myself that was gone. Mm, incredible. Tell me... You were you were twenty six, twenty seven then. Um, how were you paying your rent? How were how was how was life evolving for you? How were you surviving? Oh, um, I'm pretty resourceful, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I've I always had a great apartment wherever, I, even though I was living in I was living in a really nice area, a nice apartment. Um, yeah, I was always I'm always been able to generate money, mate. That's never been an issue for me. Mm. And then even though I pulled the pin on sort of most of the activity with powders and chemicals and all that, I was still doing a little bit on the side just to, just to pay the rent and keep, keep myself afloat. But the funny thing is, I'm glad you asked that, Aaron. During those six months when I did that rehab, I, I became determined to give up that life, so I stopped doing a bit of work or a lot of the illegal work. And uh, I actually couldn't eat for periods of time because I didn't have enough money. Mm. And that was uh, really sobering, mate. 
that was that was a really sobering thing having to having got to a point in your life where food wasn't you weren't able to readily access food was very humbling. So did you ever have moments where you thought you were going to die or did you actually like give a shit whether you did or you didn't? Uh, no, I wanted to live. I knew I had something big, mm. big coming. I've always, I've always had that massive self-belief, mm. um, which I really got to be careful of because it could easily turn into ego. But mm. uh, to back myself, I knew there was something big coming for me. But, um, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it was a wild time, mate. You just had to let it, let it evolve. I, I I need to share something with you. Um, Please. I, I knew with, with all the shit that I sort of went through as a young fella and all that, I always knew it's going to happen when you're 40, you know. <laughs> it's just going to happen. So you're going to have to go yep. through this ride until then, until uh, you actually start to, to, to change and turn the corner. I was actually 37. That's when things started to, to change. But I, I, had on, I, I had on the outside what looked like a great life, mate. I had, um, had uh, you know, beautiful family and a uh, great job and a great house and all that. But underneath, mate, I was like, really torn up. And, and that, that trauma, like, sort of happened to you when you were 15. I sort of still hadn't healed all that, any of that sort of stuff that, that, that I was dealing with, you know. And I, I just couldn't function anymore. I just sort of hit the wall and thought... I've got to change, otherwise I'm going to live, live the rest of my life like unconscious, but also really, really miserable. And um, and I, I had to, I had to, you know, I, I basically wouldn't say I didn't have a choice, but I was being drawn to to, to this space of, of, I suppose, you know, giving myself uh, the opportunity to be able to to get back to what I really needed when I was a young fella, and, and you needed that guidance too, um, which you know we never got. Your mum and dad was still there, and your dad like is probably like mine, like a great man, but probably couldn't educate you on on the fundamentals of life and what you actually needed to, um, you know, to, to give you the answers. And um, it's a real fine art when you're a young fella to be able to uh, listen to someone, and you know that that's really um, really uh, common for someone you know that that looks um, for help. To not find it in their family, it's usually someone external that comes along that can actually give them the the trigger to be able to, to facilitate change and, and help them uh, move forward. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, mate. I couldn't agree with you more. It's yeah, it's interesting, and you know, um, when we're young, we, we we sort of become I wouldn't say stubborn, but you know, you you certainly had. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you'd call it a chip on your shoulders, but you had an ego then which was driving you to, to not go back to that sort of feeling of insecurity that you, that you had, which is you know, perfectly, perfectly um, understandable. But if someone had said to you when you were a young fella, hey, James, how about this? And all of a sudden that would have arrested that behaviour and maybe life could have been a little bit different. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And, you know, in, fair, in, in fairness... I did have amazing people around me all the time, but you know what it was, mate? You, we're not that far apart in age. That culture back then, like we were surfers, we played footy, um, we were loved in the community, all our little, our, the five of us were like, um, the kids on standby me, mate. We grew up from primary school together, we're all tight. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, we, we, just, we just had a really good gang and but none of us would talk about anything other than superficial stuff. 
Mm. Now, this is really interesting because I had stuff to share. And I was, I'm an emotional guy. And um, I noticed when everyone would drink and take drugs, all the walls came down. Yes. And at the start, like I was, then I was, you know, like we were, then everyone would be hugging and all this. And then I'd be like, oh, I thought this is great. You know, that's when I really come into my life. I love it when everyone let the walls down because I could, you know, have a real conversation with you. Mm. I knew I'd noticed I was built different. And even during my hiatus in that madness of the dark abyss, through that time, I was doing a lot of work on people already, not work on work, understanding people. Mm. Ever since I was a kid, I've always been fascinated by, my, my dad will say, just come tell us a story, Dad. Tell me a story about it, and I wouldn't care what it is, I just like hearing stories. So through all this, I've got that many stories and listen to people's stories and understand their mistakes and their wins. And When you start getting that, that wealth of knowledge, it's so rich, um, you've got a huge well to draw off in life. And I think now, um, more than anything, why I'm able to be so honest with myself, or at least try to be the... the and to be the best person I can, is because I've got all this, um, I'd say knowledge and, and life experience to draw on now, mate. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's really helped me as a human being. I don't have all the answers, not at all. I'm very comfortable with that. Mm. But when I speak, I speak from personal experience or something I've actually been a part of. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm listening, and, mate, life's rich when you... When, you know, it life's rich when you, when it, for me it is, to be like this. Mm. Yeah, I, I just think we were unconscious that, that this was the plan for us, <laughs> you, you know. Um, yeah. uh, that, 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 that was the plan for us. And, uh, you know, as I said, I sort of knew that there was something coming. I just had to go through all the shit to, to get there. And I suppose the message for a lot of guys listening to this is, you know, if they are going through stuff at the moment, then... There's going to be a moment where they will shift out of it. You don't have to be stuck there forever. And um, um, it's, it's really important to look at, uh, at, at little things you can do every day that can actually sort of shift your um, belief systems and, and patterns and so forth that can actually like start to slowly facilitate change. A lot of guys fall in the trap of trying to get there too quick, but they want the big muscles, yeah. but they won't, they won't do the work in the gym or they'll want the... Uh, they want the compassion or the, the stuff that gets the girls, but um, you know that's that's not that's not permanent. It's only temporary stuff that's that's masking the real underneath, uh, um, you, you know, personality that's under the human. And um, yeah, you've just got to be able to be patient and, and and do the work like you have to be able to get to the realization. Yeah, well, I I believe that I've done enough now, so I can use my skills to help others. Would you agree? Absolutely, mate. Look, I, absolutely. 25 years old, no, so 26, I can't work it out. It's between, the, very sketchy those years. Mm. Um, 25, 26, maybe 27 is when I saw that healer. So indirectly, I've been doing 13, 14, 15 years of work on myself to get to a point where I can go, I, I love who I am mm. and I love my life. Right, and we've created, and you create all this through, through bloody hard work at the start, and you keep going, you keep going, and you meet better people, and all this. And um, yeah, mate, it's um, it never stops, mate. Look, you've got, you've got to do that. You've got to do that hard yak. It doesn't just happen. You've got to do it. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And um, uh, 
I, I just think we're at a really good moment in time now where um, people like yourself can support others through the lived experience that you've been through because that really helps them uh, gain trust and confidence in another individual and they see something in them that they have seen within themselves or they're doing within themselves and um, you know what did you do is always a question that I, I get you know what did you do and I explained what I did to, to make the changes but that mightn't be the the path that um, that everyone you know could or should take it's a matter of finding something within themselves that they can um, be be comfortable with but also be uncomfortable with because with this without discomfort you don't change you've got to be able to do some things which are, are uncomfortable so you can you know facilitate that change within yourself and um, yeah look you know I, I guess we we really punished ourselves a lot you know you and I and lot, lots of guys out there uh, we, we punish ourselves whether that be through drinking drugs uh, whatever it is but we're never really actually doing anything to, to as you said look yourself in the in the mirror and, uh, and look yourself in the eye because you, you're too you're too I wouldn't say it's a shame but you actually like don't feel any any real confidence within yourself and you, you you express that into the world through some anger in some uh, form would you agree spot on you nailed it absolutely i did a session just today this young guy has come back he did one session wasn't ready young 30 year old very likable dude there was so much going for him and and then he so i knew he wasn't ready and so i didn't go too hard and he went on an eight month sort of hiatus himself and then came back and I was talking to him today, and I said to him, he goes, how do I start? And I said, be honest with yourself. Mm. Just be honest with yourself. And I said, then occasionally share a little piece of that honesty, even when it feels uncomfortable with your wife. She loves you to pieces. And I said, and watch what happened. Mm. He goes, is that it? And I said, well, there's more involved in it. I said, that's how you start. I said, just communicate honesty. And then I gave him a heap of bloody examples of times that I have and haven't to make him laugh and, you know, like look at him and just go, hang on, this is actually normal. I don't have to feel alone here. Mm. And like you said, mate, like Trev said on that magnificent podcast you did last with Trev, that was the, one of the best I've ever heard. Mm. That pop, pop, popcorn, like that's, that's it's, it, it, it is, but I don't know, I don't know if everyone else feels this way, but. Well, I'm out in the community and I'm seeing hundreds of people, um, you know, really like, like on their way, waking up and, and, and inspiring and encouraging other people. It's like, whether you want to agree or not, I can myself see this is bloody happening. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. People are asking questions and questioning the way things are, are done. Um, uh, primarily, uh, uh, you know, we, we really need to... to um, utilize this uh, this moment in time as an opportunity to, for for change, and you know, having the conversations like we are now uh, are going to make more people aware that perhaps the the prison system may may not be working as effectively as, as what it possibly could be. And um, I know that's your real passion, um, you know, helping guys out that are they're inside and outside of prison to 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 you know improve their lives and. Um, and also what, you know, Life Changer and Trevor and that are doing, they're, they're helping those guys, that, you know, in their 15s to 18-year-old, um, you know, parts of their, of their own lives to, to sort of raise their awareness and consciousness as well, which is something that you and I, um, you know, could have certainly done with at that moment. Uh, but we were pretty vulnerable as well, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know what I think's real? It's key. Um, I'm thinking about myself. If I if I didn't know when I was sort of young and impressionable, if I didn't know, if I didn't get that feeling that you were real or you were talking about stuff from a textbook, I there's a massive chance I would have just had fun with you as a human being, like I would have just toyed around with you. But I think for a lot of young blokes, especially if you're able to show them that you get it without telling them this is how it's going to be, it's just it's, there's so much more fluidity to it, like. I don't know, man. Like just being, like just having having a little bit of experience and stuff like this with this sort of work. Mm. And, and I'm just so blessed. I feel really lucky, mate. Mm. The way the way the whole thing has panned out. It's even be here talking to you today. Like, you know that it could have very very easily been a, a different story, mate. For me, mm. I was very lucky. Yeah, I, will, I guess. I am too, mate. I never, never give myself the compliment to say, "Yeah, good on you. You're lucky to actually be where you are." Um, yeah. And and getting back to what you said before, mate. Like like I, I my relationship split up uh, seven or eight, probably six years ago, I guess. And and I never had the awareness that I have now. So if I had have had that back then, then my conversations with my wife would have been different. You know, I was, I was, um, I don't know. It was it was hard to explain, but. I always felt like I, I, I was never never listened to and uh, maybe it was just the way that I come across and that sort of thing. But uh, as a man, I just felt like all I was doing was just supplying money every week and I lost my, yeah. my, my sense of purpose, you know, and, um, and now I'm sort of help, uh, able to help other guys sort of realise that. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you have got a yeah. real purpose underneath underneath who, who who you really are what's going on that's 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 help you find that so you can be more aware uh, so you don't um you know fail in a relationship or fail in life in general and um um yeah i, I need to keep reminding myself every day which i don't i, I always you know the, the human mind will always take you to to criticism and, and beating yourself up um uh it's very common in men but um I just think we need mm. to acknowledge some of the the shit that we've been through and some of the good things we've actually done, which um which makes us make us better um better people, but also better contributors to others um out there as well. Very true, mate. Very true. And and this um, being real and honest with yourself, we're doing your very best to live to live a good life and do the righty and do the righty by the community. Is so much more entertaining and fruitful and exciting and happy and tiring and all these things than um, what I was used to before. Like I thought that life was exciting, but this life, just being a father and part of the community, is equally as exciting and enjoyable. And I'd never anticipated that. I was so hyperactive and you know, want chasing action. I didn't realise that you could just be yourself. Mm. And everyone had love before it, and everything is and everything is good. I just I didn't I just for some reason I didn't work that out. Yeah, well, so I was about so I was about thirty seven myself. I reckon <laughs> that that's true. But I guess you know what what's happened to us is we've just been uh, victim of judgment. You know, we've just been so 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 much a victim of judgment and and what um what what people are perceiving or seeing of us and. And that that's really hard to 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 lose, like to drop, to to realise, to say to yourself, "Geez, I am okay as I am." And 
Um, you know, you think, I quite often think back to when I was a young fellow, like before any of the, the stuff that I learned through the education system, just how pure life was and how much in flow uh, life was. And I look at kids now and I see just how engaged and in the moment they are. But as, as men, our minds are just constantly distracted to the past or the future consistently, you know. So like I, I went out uh, to Springs Beach yesterday and I sat, I found a quiet spot for two hours it took me a long time to get my mindset on. All I did was focus on one little point um, that I, I just kept my concentration there until my mind just shut up. And then all of a sudden things started to come back into, into flow again, you know. And, um, <laughs> oh, lovely, man. Yeah, yeah. So you could, you could use a beer or you could use, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, a drug to, to, to quiet your mind down. But um if you actually learn the things that actually you know, do that healthfully then i believe that we can become more compassionate to ourselves and more kind to ourselves rather than being critical and judgmental and when your mind's busy all the time like mine has been through the work i've been doing uh then you know you, you will you will beat yourself up but i just think if we can find time just to go and slow down and settle the mind it can um, make a huge difference would you agree Oh, 100%. We all need that. Like, that's beautiful, mate. I love that. I love hearing people doing stuff like that. I, it, I can imagine you doing it in my, my, my mind, sitting there, and how peaceful it would be. It, like that, Those practices are just key. For me, um, what is it? I need to be grounded. I need to feel grounded. Mm-hmm. It's really important to me. You know, what grounds me the most is the, the salt water, and we're lucky to be... Well, no, we, we wanted to be walking distance to the beach. So mm. every morning, even if it's freezing at the moment, mate, um, it's about 70 to 60 degrees this morning. We swim all year round. There's a little group of us, but with no wetsuits and all that, and the water's just... And <laughs> you get in, and it's the best feeling because you feel like you're getting punched. You're punching the chest, yeah. and then, then your mind's going, stop, 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 you can't do this, you can't do this. And then you do it. And you come back and you quieten the mind down, you regulate your breathing and, mm. and you get all the minerals and whatnot and you get back in house. So you're freezing, mm. but you already conquered the mind. That's right. First thing in the morning, mate, it's like we're off to a flyer. And that's my medicine, mate. Like, I get, I get antsy if I, don't, if I don't get in the water at least once a day. Mm, absolutely. And, and really, that, that's what it'll do. It'll just slow the mind down. And you'll find that your breath gets into a rhythm throughout the day then because you're more conscious. And, and once your breath is in the flow, then the mind will follow that, you know. And, um, and these are the skills that we probably should have learned in school, but <laughs> we, had to do it the, <laughs> we had to do it the hard way. But, um, yeah, I, I live like 150 metres from the beach where I am, and, and like I, I access that quite often but I find running works really well for me and, and meditation obviously I, I do meditation every day and and that sort of gets me yep. into a into a rhythm but sometimes the mind is busy and that's that's why yesterday I went to a secluded spot sat and just sat for time and um, you know eventually things settle and then you start to become a little bit more uh, aware of what you're doing and uh, and what's actually going on within your life and all the good things rather than focusing on the negative things Bang. Um, you know what amazes me, mate, about the podcast as well? Um, like imagine a, a little kid, I said to Dad, a little kid, impressionable little kid, then when you have to change the TV station by hand, this is back, that's, we're talking 80s. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And you, 
and your dad goes, like a professional kid, your dad goes, sit down son, and watch True Champion. <laughs> That's and that awesome. was Trevor Hendy. That was Trevor Hendy, right? So I'm like, righto, don't worry, so this guy's a champion. So he was my hero, and then you meet your hero, and then he helps you, and then you listen to your podcast, and you hear your name mentioned by your hero. Mm. It was the most surreal thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, it's a weird moment, mate. Mm. But um, it's amazing to see how everything connects. So if it wasn't for Dad and his obsession with the ocean, I wouldn't have it. He wouldn't have said, look at a true champion, which is, um, which is Trev. You know, and it all links up, and then now we're here doing this. It's just, it's just incredible the way it works, isn't it? Well, it is, mate, and... Um like I said before, life is fascinating when you realise that you're all part of the winning team. <laughs> you know, it's all, yeah, it's, it's and, all, it's all there. Amazing. It's all there for you. You've just got to and, be able to access it, yeah. That's right. And, and even that's the, the, the main point I wanted to make. So we've got all this connection and now I'm doing this with you. But the thing when I was... Because I get sick of, sick of doing this myself, not the podcast, just sick of listening to this myself. Mm. I just think I'm... People get bored or something. I'm uh, listening <laughs> to you, you mean? Listening to you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, not at all, mate. Absolutely, because you have a um, such a, a fascinating story and a fascin- fascinating gift to to pass on to others that you have been able to turn your life around. And and, and now there's lots of people out there that are struggling, mate. Absolutely, and if they can pick up a few things from you um, uh, from this conversation, but also you know with what you're doing. Um, uh, to be able to support uh, an individual that may be looking for support, I think that's tremendous, mate. And as guys, we just got to be brave enough to actually uh, move forward and, and ask. For, I wouldn't say it's help, but just ask for guidance sometimes because we can't always, you know, find the way ourselves. We've got to maybe at times, um, you know, be vulnerable enough and, and 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 brave enough to say, well, look, you know, I, I just need a bit of a hand. Can I let you know what's been going on in my life, and then you can help them move forward. So, so with regards to that, um, your, your organisation is called Hard Cuddles and, and you're doing work in, a, in prisons, but you're also doing some, some mentoring and that for guys uh, that are uh, just everyday humans like, um, like us, I suppose, out, uh, out in mainstream. Yeah, so we work with, it started off with men and we work with everyone from the That's all I needed. I, you know, when, you, when you're not well, 
You know, I didn't want anyone telling me what to do. I just wanted someone to be there for me. Yeah. No, that's what we do, mate. We, and, we, and we do it for everyone. Prison, mate, we work at primary schools. We do, um, what's it called? Um, sporting organisations, organisations. Um, I'm honoured to say that the Victorian police have contacted us and engaged us to do some really sensitive work for them um, in the community, and it's a really... It's an, it was a life goal tick to work with them um, and the opportunity they presented us, you know, to be part of a program. Um, it's just, you know, we did some training the other day and, yeah, they're, they're impressive the way they work. That's a damn sure. Incredible. I, I wanted to join the police force when I was a young fellow. I used to go to Glen Waverley. Me too. To, to, the, Me too. to the academy and thinking, fuck, I'd love to be here. But I, I knew that I'd never had the, the self-discipline at the time to be able to uh, to make the grade, like getting over the uh, the obstacle course and all that shit that they had to do. But uh, a lot of the guys <laughs> that I went in, that went in there, mate, come out that I, that I went to school with come out pretty fucked up at the end of the day, you know. So Yeah, um, yeah. So this is where I guess we can, we can help. Um, in, in in many ways, that that's incredible. So so, how long have you been engaged with that project? Oh, we've been in negotiations. It was so funny. The opportunity came through me doing because with the prison work, uh, I offered when we first went in there. I offered to do take on ten clients for free. I'd support them inside and outside of prison, help them mm. get on their feet, and this and that, and stuck to that. Strike rate's pretty good, but doing that work, one of the guys we did it with was is a like he's like a real leader of, of the Pacific Islanders. He's a real mate because this guy got a future ahead of him anyway. He he shook the tree and we came up on the radar of the police. Like I knew when he asked me to do some counselling with a certain prisoner, um, there was going to be some noise or repercussions, and um, yeah, then we came on the police's radar, and they that was about just before COVID. And they called us in to a sit down and uh, offered us this opportunity. First time they'd ever done anything like this. And I was like, yeah. So we've been negotiating probably on and off through COVID for about a year. We went and sat training the other day. And I'll tell you what, mate, to sit there with my wife and one of my other guys, Simi, the, the big sub, Owen, the beautiful man, um, was sitting up there in level seven up in the headquarters in the browse leather chairs. Mm around a huge table with um, war veterans and inspectors and all these people. And to be part of that crew, to be even in that conversation, I tell you what, mate, at that point in my life, I put my head, my hands behind my head, mm. stretched right back on the leather chair, crossed my, crossed my feet, and thought, how good is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you are literally, if, when it comes to community work and when you're working with them, with them, that's when you can make some decent change, mate. Not against them, with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we're excited. Oh, mate, I was petrified of them when I was a young fella, you know. Me too. Uh, we, I, I spent a bit of time, uh, like, you know, you get locked up for drunk and disorderly or whatever and, you know, go in the van, do your four hours, get out, um, all that sort of stuff and um, never got involved in anything serious. But, geez, uh, you know, you were always kept honest back then. It's a bit different now, but... Um, I feel real compassion for the police officers because they go through a lot. You know, they, they see a lot. They go through yeah. a lot. Their PTSD uh, is fairly significant uh, in many of them. And um, uh, same as Ambo, same as Fireys and so forth. We don't really, you know, pay enough attention to that. And, 
and what what people go through with regards to mental health and you know um, things are changing you know I believe I've got a real real um, mindset of prehabilitation rather than rehabilitation now guys shouldn't be getting to the stage where they've got to go and get a counselor or get an EAP to support them if they've got trauma in the workplace if we can give them tools and support to be you know more self-aware uh, and then all of a sudden mm. they know when something goes wrong that they can go back and and, and feel that engagement with their colleagues and so forth as well. Would you agree that would be a, a better a better way to go rather than sort of you know putting people out into the into the fire and, and just letting them um, uh, letting them hit the shit before uh, any assistance sort of happens? You know that's the answer. That, that's the absolute truth. I, mm. It's um, you and Trev nailed it in that last podcast. And I think Trev said if you scratch the surface of nearly any place on the planet, you'll see people struggling horrendously. Mm. Yeah. You know, so this is, um, oh, mate, honestly, my wife and Trev have really only woken me up to, you know, what's going on in the commu- in, in the society, the community, and the planet over the last sort of four years. I've been really been starting to become aware of things. And the more I learn, the you know, it is. It's a real. It's a, it's a, but it's the duality. There's there's great things happening and there's really sad things happening. But some of the sad things I'm privy to are devastating. And the thing that gives me uh, not closure. The thing that gives me a good feeling is I'm in the fight with them. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not sitting there talking about or expecting. As are you, Aaron. We're in the blue, we're in this, and that's everything to fight with me, a war, I love it. I, I just go to that straight away because it's the way I'm programmed. If it's a fight, then it's something to be, to be won like Trevor was talking about the other day. Mm. But it's a fight worth winning, you know, but at least I'm in it because if, if all this is going on and, and, and I didn't do anything about it, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be... Mm. I, don't know, mate. I wouldn't be much of a man, would I? Like if I didn't, no, that's like, true. you can't help and protect and so you know, you got to be in. If we can give a get ourselves back to a state every day to actually realise, as I said, that the world is trying to work with us, not against us. Look at anything out there in nature doing what they're doing, mate. You know, we're be, <laughs> we're we're being denatured and dehumanised quite considerably. So. Um, this, sure. this is where mental health's going, you know, backwards because we're actually forcing against nature rather than with it and working with it. And um, I just really believe that um, over time it's not going to happen you know, this year, next year, but eventually things will start to change. We'll say, shit, we've been getting it wrong for so long that it's actually work mm. to, um, to, to be in more harmony rather than sort of uh, in, in a state of disconnection and... Um, Mm. Um, you know the world. The world was created for joy and peace and, and kindness and compassion, not the low levels mm. of con- consciousness of shame, fear, guilt, and greed. You know, and, and that's what's sort yeah. of o- overrun the world. And I guess if we can start to be more aware of that and help others be more aware of that, then all of a sudden we can change our mindsets, which will also help uh, others around us to become a bit more, um, you know, conscious as well. Absolutely, mate. It's it's so true. You know, I think nature. I think nature. What you're talking about is just so. I think the uh, what this is what we have our outdoor retreats with the guys. We get them to a certain point where they're 
comfortable to go and spend some time in nature and we reconnect that way for the final the, the coup de gras, you know, like it's um nature's where it's at, man. You know everyone, like you know, when you watch Attenborough and this is it's getting people to understand that's like part of us. Mm. And we're, we're connected to this, and, and I think nature as a way of healing people is just we just I just organised the, the meeting. Mm. Nature does the, nature does the work. Absolutely. But the other day, mate, like when I was swimming, this is about creating and manifesting as well as ticking a life dream and then a healing. It's it all came from nature. Like years ago, I sort of wanted to swim with the dolphins in the wild. You know, and that you just put it out there. And about, I don't know, probably five years ago, maybe, hypothetically, five years, ten years, who knows. And, yeah, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, there's a big pot of dolphins working at a bait pool with the birds out where we're about to go swimming in the morning. Mm-hmm. I said, come on, boys, let's go. We'll see if we can get near them. And then they went out deep and came back into shallow water. And we got, we'd already been within sort of ten metres of them, so we could hear them talking underwater. Mm. which is cool enough and their fins and everything and then we got in shallow water and they just buzzed us like in Top Gun you know buzzing the towers they came within a metre of me and we got down and they're massive these things and I've only ever seen them from a distance and I was like within a metre I looked one of them straight in the eye and I've never felt the same since Mm, mate I know I was just humbled Oh mate, you 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 you've got the hair standing up on the back of my neck because yeah, I I last year I had a similar experience with whales um, at Fraser Island. Oh. We were at, we, I took some people out and we did a retreat. I, I taught yoga and like one morning I get up and do a practice every morning. One morning this dolphin come up and it just looked me in the eyes, went down, come up, looked me in the eyes, went down. This went on for like five or ten minutes, and oh. <laughs> honestly it was just absolutely amazing. We, we had whales around us the whole time uh, for the five days. And, mate, honestly, once you realise that we're only such a small part of this, uh, this environment, this culture, then, then you realise just how beautiful life is. So here's a bit of a challenge for you, mate, and this is something I think yep. we need to do together. We need to take guys that have been incarcerated when they get out to actually, like, experience this sort of stuff because they don't see it, you know, they're... They're kept unconscious of, uh, of what's really um, available to us as humans and, and we're really unconscious of it in normal society as well. So that's something I, I think we need to be able to, to, to do more of is to help people learn how nature can actually heal them and there's such a tremendous opportunity to do that in our own backyard. Um, we've got such a, an innate um, uh, knowledge and wisdom in Indigenous Australia that we're, we're really unconscious of a lot of us and um, you know, there's so much that those guys want to teach us. There's so much that nature wants to teach us. There's so much that marine life wants to teach us. We've just got to open our eyes. That's right, mate. And you know what I can say? What, uh, a guy who's classified as a serious violent offender, grown up um, in foster homes, horrible upbringing. Mm. Um, he, um, for the first time ever in his life, he did his full parole, mm. which is a huge feat. He was under. He was with us. I supported him um, via. Sorry, we supported him via phone, and I managed to organise the funding to get him away. One of those retreats, with eight or seven other guys and were not criminals, mm. and he was loved and respected. And he, you know, he hadn't been in the ocean in five years because he got he got a five year whack. And just to see his face, and the funniest thing, man, 
Mate, I promised him, like, because he's up in Ballarat way and he used to catch these little rainbow trout, which is cute. But um, I promised him I'd get him a shark, because we do a lot of land-based land shark fishing with drones and whatnot. Um, we've got that real heavy gear for big fish. And um, But this stage, I just sit down at the prom. Um, I said, I'll get you a shark. I'll get you, we'll get you a gummy shark. First night, second night, nothing. Third night, he's starting to get a bit nervous because he talked it up. Anyway, last second last night, he hooks onto this uh, gummy and he caught it. And I've still got the photos here. That gummy shark made his face afterwards. Um, it was just beautiful to bring the inner child, mm. his inner child back. It was probably lost in some pretty horrific circumstances. And he's actually doing, I think he's back in now. Mm. Um, so we'll support him again when he contacts. Like he knows what he has to do. Mm. Um, and then we'll support him again. But, uh, yeah, we took him there, mate. We, we showed him. And it was amazing to watch him listen and grow and become part of the group in a really loving sort of environment. And nature turned it on, mate, you know. Oh, absolutely, mate. And we've got to see these guys um, with compassion because they've never had the opportunity to experience all that. And it's, it's the birthright of all of us to be able to be able to connected, uh, to be connected with all this uh, wonderful stuff we've got um, in our own uh, environments, you know. We... We're not mm-hmm. we're not meant to be uh, just uh, abusing ourselves and you know punishing ourselves and you know that punishment of ourselves comes from the the, the trauma that we've experienced. But geez, I think we can really turn people's lives around by by helping them. And that guy that goes in, that that guy that you said he's gone back into jail. Well, if he is supported by you as he comes out, then maybe he won't go back again. You know, um, yeah, a lot of them, yeah. a lot of them feel safe in there. You know, everything's done for them. But uh, at the end of the yeah. day, if we can, we can help people and really, really give them the opportunity to be able to experience life as a gift, then, um, you know, we can really change culture. I really believe that. Absolutely, mate. It's just, it's just such a pleasure, Aaron, first of all, to listen to your podcast with Trev. Uh, that was like a healing for me and my wife, hearing that level of truth, understanding, compassion, free thinking. Um, it just it made us feel we needed to hear that and to be on, the pro, on your program with you, mate. Like it's, we call you and our family Truth Seeker. <laughs> oh, that's um, good, mate. We call you or, or, or uh, what a good mum call you, um, a light worker. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. I... So, mate, it's just an honour to be on with you, buddy. Now, how can people get hold of you if they want to touch base, mate? Oh, hard cuddles, mate. We've done that many friggin' podcasts and... <laughs> and TV show, uh, TV stuff, and um, just you just you just jump on and punch in hard cuddles, and something will come up. And we are, we're at very we work quick, mate. We, we we're easy to access and work quick. Like there's no waiting and all this. It's like right, let's get going because the window. I don't want to preach, but the window of opportunity when you when you're trying to get well, can sometimes be so brief yeah. that if a person says, I want to go, I want to get, you need, you can't be waiting two weeks. Mm. It's got to be bang. And so we're, we're very accessible, mate. And as long as, as long as a person is ready to rock and roll with great haste, and we'll, we'll get in their corner, like, Tremendous. We'll, we'll get around them. Mate, that's awesome. There's a lot there. The, the, the medical system can learn from that. <laughs> There's so many people yeah. that wanting wanting help that go into the into the mental health system that aren't getting it. You know, um, not, yeah. not not responsive, and, and this is where 
you know, I just think the, the, the real healing can, can happen by having a mentor and someone that can sort of help you. Um, uh, it's really important. So I'm really grateful, you know, for our conversation and grateful for the work you're doing. And I'm sure we're going to have many more in the future. Yeah, beautiful. It's been an honour and a pleasure. Uh, I'll speak to you soon, no doubt, mate. Cheers. Guys, thanks very much for listening to this conversation. Pretty deep and, and informative and um, certainly uh, James has gone through a lot of stuff. Uh, and to be able to come up the other side, uh, worked hard to do that. Um, he had lots of uh, issues to unpack with drug use and so forth, but easy. He knuckled down and actually did it really well and um, he's come out the other side doing the beautiful work that he is now. So I really ch- I encourage you to check out his organisation, hardcuddles.com, uh, and yeah, lots that they might be able to offer uh, you as an individual or uh, the organisation you may be involved in. So I appreciate you uh, checking them out. Thanks very much for uh, for listening in. If you'd like to contact me, support at outbackmind.com.au, website outbackmind.com.au. Website's evolving. It's starting to... Um, to, to take shape, to change, um, to have all the podcasts up there and all that sort of stuff too. Um, yeah, look, uh, if you want to share this with others that might be able to get benefit from the conversations we're having, great. There's lots of tribute guests uh, lined up to come on this week as well and many more uh, lined up in the future. So sit tight, enjoy the Outback Mind podcast and appreciate your support. Cheers.